1: It's the aftermath, and we are doubling you up with some content on this episode because this guy dropped the ball last night and didn't do a post-game show. So we're doing a full recap for you today. It is John Sheeran there, a.k.a. Santa Claus with the hat there. Santa came early for the Cincinnati Bengals. John Sheeran, they get the big win against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And it didn't look pretty, especially for the first two-ish quarters. But they got it done and came back. With a vengeance. How you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing good, man. I don't blame you for not doing the post game. Like after the first half, i would have been like, "Yeah, I don't want to talk about this game either." Right after, <laughs> so let's yeah, just let's yeah. just move on to next week. But third quarter Bengals had something different in mind.
1: They the third quarter Bengals, the second half Bengals, and you know there are folks, Sean. I know we've got game notes, and we can we can take a peek at some of the box score stuff as well, since we didn't really get to that yesterday. But there are folks who ascribe to the idea of halftime adjustments right and there are folks who just think like there's just not enough time uh you know and there are smart people on both sides of the fence there that's that have that take stock in either side of the argument um i waver on it personally i think i think you can't i think there is such a thing as hey we're just all we're, we got to do something different um wholesale change is completely tearing up the playbook etc i don't know that i really believe that but it is hard to deny the notion of halftime adjustments when you specifically look at the Cincinnati Bengals, particularly this year, and just how different of a team they seem to come out at halftime. Last year, if you remember, John, last year what the Bengals were like excellent at was getting those points in and out of halftime, right? Right before halftime, they'd, they'd slam the ball down, downfield, and they'd get a field goal, a touchdown, real quick, and then they'd come out of the gates out of halftime, and they'd do that. You know, they'd kind of do the same thing, and all of a sudden, they put up ten points, and you're and the other team's going, "What, what the hell just happened?" Right? This year, it's not so much doing that; it's more just man in the second half, the defense t- just does something completely different. The offense starts to kind of get its footing, and they just take it to teams. and Case in point was this this Sunday against the Buccaneers.
0: Yeah, I think offensively, there's something there's something to be said about not just working back from a deficit, but not losing your composure and not completely abandoning everything that was on the brink of working, just sticking to it and just having trust in the scheme, having trust in the talent to get work. But defensively, like they are truly like a top 10 defense when you just look at the second half and that's not even accounting for the like, garbage time stuff. Like they are a legit shutdown unit when it comes to uh, success rate when it comes to EPA per play like they're, they're legit and coming into this game there was this rumor the report that there was this disconnect between Tom Brady and the Bucks coaching staff about like the night before games or whatever Brady would have this meeting with skill players about certain keys and adjustments on offense and the coaches would know this and apparently Brady like dismissed this in, in the week but you saw like, as the season's gone on, like the Bucks' offense has been this stagnant mess where it's just occasional deep shots, but it's just a bunch of stuff behind the line of scrimmage and just nothing really coherent is going on. And then they look completely different in this first half as Tony Romo for like 70 times in this game clearly pointing out, oh, they're, they're so much different compared to last week or whatever because they're using play action, they're using pre-snap motion, and they just look like the classic Tom Brady offense from New England. And they completely abandoned all of that, and the Bengals at the same time just... Went dummy and just went after the ball every single play. Like obviously, no one listening to this or has ever it was ever watched the NFL has ever seen a defense force five consecutive turnovers. I guess four, considering one of them was in special teams. But it was just insane to see that quarterback of all quarterbacks be at the expense of this improbable comeback that again just doesn't happen to that guy. He was 89 and when leading by 17 points to the half and he just That's insane. That's imploded. an insane
1: statistic. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean you look at you look at Joe Burrow aside from that, oh so irritating tipped pass interception close to the line of scrimmage, uh, a very very efficient game. You look at the 200 yards. Well, here's the thing. We'll get to team stats in a minute too and stuff, but when you look at man, the Bengals just weren't, you know, you look at the rushing yards, I mean, they did Eleven for twenty-one for Mixon, P Ryan. Well, the the, the thing is, John, two hundred yards passing by the by the quarterback and whatnot. The total yards were affected because the, for the first time it seems like this entire year the Bengals got short field after short field, um, and, and then they couple that with some inefficiencies on offense, obviously in the first half. I mean, Mike Evans himself was outgaining the Bengals offense uh, at one point in this in the second quarter there, but. I mean, it it really, when you look at the lack of yards or or, or whatever, and you kind of go, man, what kind of happened here? Statistically speaking, not a great day unless you had Joe Burrow on your fantasy football team for playoffs uh, because of the four touchdowns, but really it's a byproduct of the short fields. It's a byproduct of, yes, the inefficiency of the offense early on, but um, I mean, man, you get that you get the two interceptions and fumbles off of Brady. He still had a 92.2 rating, was doing some things early in the game that were you know, pretty nice. Um, you know, they were kind of getting some decent runs here and there. But I mean, look at still look at this, John, long gain on the ground for the Buccaneers. I mean, it, nothing great really happened for the Bengals either. The quarterback had the longest for 10 for the Bengals, 10 yards. But nine yards is the longest gain of the day. For Tampa Bay, you go down here. I mean, long gain here, 24 yards. They're not really killing you over the top. Shouldn't really uh, boast too much here. 19 yards for the Bengals here. But, I mean, the big plays aren't there for the opposing offense against this Bengals defense. Um, and then you got guys like Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt, who we'll talk about in just a second, but they're playing really well on this defense. And, um, you know, the, the four turnovers in this game were absolutely critical, particularly with the Bengals offense, not playing well early.
0: When you talk about the tale of two halves, like the first half, like I mentioned like classic Brady was on display where he was just picking apart the defense over the middle. A lot of in-breaking routes. Like the first play of the game, he targeted Dax Hill with Chris Godwin. Like we talked about, like yep. he was going to try to exploit yep. that. And early on, Dax Hill was not very sound in coverage, and then, rightfully so. It's his first start at that position, and Godwin's really good. Mike Evans was absolutely torching Eli Apple for the first half of the game. I yep. think Pacman Jones went to Twitter and kind of ripped him a new one, but he was kind of right. He gave up, I think, eight receptions for a hundred something yards and the pass rating of one forty. Mike Evans looked like vintage. Mike Evans in this game. Yeah. And then. When the second half started, you started to see the middle of the field kind of close up a little bit. And yeah, so there wasn't any you know huge passes over the top of the Bengals defense, but I think at least five receptions of like 20 or so yards to multiple different Buccaneers receivers. But like like we talked about, they're not a very good running team, even with Fournette kind of finding the second life in this new team. So yeah, the long run of nine doesn't really surprise me. DJ Reader and BJ Hill continued to play really well. And Anthony, I think it was impressive that without now both of their starting defensive ends who are really good at setting the edge, I think Cam Sample- and Joseph Osai did a good job in those roles as well.
1: They did. Joseph Osai yeah. had the fumble recovery, I think, at one point. Um, and, uh, you know, some some pressures and whatnot. And then here, here's the deal with Jermaine Pratt. I mean, obviously, he had that diving, tumbling interception that everybody thought was initially incomplete. And he made an incredible uh, play on the ball. I, I just had this thought um, that I, I think a lot of us kind of forget when it comes to Jermaine Pratt. And that thought is, I saw a good take by Son, Bangle Sons on, on Twitter earlier today, talking about how he's basically, he, he very well could be the best the team's best linebacker at this point, not Logan Wilson. There's an argument to be made there. Here's the deal with that, though. When you see these these interceptions start to come, you start to see the athleticism show up a bit more with Jermaine Pratt. A lot of people forget that at NC State, his first two years, he played safety. He played a safety role. At NC State, and then they transitioned him to linebacker because he was just too big. Um, and so he, when you see these kind of great interceptions that he's had in big, big games over the course of the last two seasons, you can go back and look at him being a former safety and playing in space a bit more than he than he does now. And then you know you see that stuff kind of translate now in the pros. Um, granted, it was years ago, but I, I think that that having that kind of skill set in his back pocket. It has served him well in his growth as a pro player.
0: He's definitely become so much more comfortable in space. Him and Logan Wilson both. Like you don't, the, the old days of like Bengals linebackers being exposed in coverage is very much <laughs> yeah. long gone. Even if even if both of them aren't like the absolute best athletes at the position compared to the, the likes of Fred Warner and guys like that, they're still more than capable in space. But I, I want to go back to the offense real quick because you mentioned how the defense was consistently getting them. You know, great field position that's why the efficiency numbers didn't look too great but even still like it wasn't like the offense hit, hit like this magic switch at the second half either because they still struggled to put up points on the on the board on those short fields like the first drive after the trey flowers interception which we can talk about that later but that was some phenomenal play by him but even still like that drive was helped out by some flags now the rest might have missed one or two on jamar chase but they did catch the defensive holding that that negated the worst sack I've ever seen an NFL. Oh my god!
1: Take. Oh my god! Yeah, I I couldn't believe it. Yeah,
0: yeah. We we can't for like Joe Burrow's human, and he just he screwed up. Like there's no excuse for being 25 yards behind the line of scrimmage on fourth and three. So that drive was extended by a penalty, and eventually he found it to touchdown to Higgins. Uh, the drive after that, there was an almost near disaster shovel pass at the goal line, which Joe Tryon yep uh, just deflected instead of just picking it off because it went right to him. But they scored a touchdown after that. The drive after that, after I think the second uh, Brady fumble where he just fumbled the handoff, uh Burrow almost threw an interception to Higgins on a far hash throw, like the cornerback just completely dropped it on the sideline, but then he made up for it with his third touchdown of the game to Jamar Chase. So there were instances where the Bucks defense continued to play like they did in the first half. And shout out to Carlton Davis, who had the best cornerback performance I've good. ever seen on Jamar Chase, despite the fact that, yeah, he was probably holding on some of those plays, and Jamar Chase definitely let the refs know about it. But you know, the Bengals did struggle and they earned all twenty-eight. Uh, points for those four touchdowns in the second half. So even if they got the the benefit of the doubt, they still managed to find a way, which, you know, when you're facing Tom Brady, that's usually what Tom Brady does. It doesn't always look great when he does it, but this is why Burrow gets that comparison because even when everything's not going right and he's making mistakes, he still finds a way to bounce back.
1: And the Bengals' offense initially on the opening drive, granted that was probably extremely scripted. I mean, they were moving it initially. They, They were doing some nice things, moving it, and then the interception happens, and then they fell kind of crawled into their shell a little bit. Got the field goal as they went to hurry up mode right before halftime. You can see here, here's kind of the, a little bit of the drive summary as we go to the end of the second quarter. The Bengals get that field goal. Then you can just see it avalanched on the on the Buccaneers. I mean, it absolutely avalanched on them. It was a turnover on downs. Bengals capitalized with a field goal. An interception, the Bengals capitalized with a touchdown. A fumble, the Bengals get a touchdown. Another fumble, the Bengals get a touchdown. An interception, that only led to a punt there. But, I mean, it just it absolutely snowballed on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – with their unforced errors and, and, you know, it's funny is the other kind of talking point that we talked about, like go, coming into this with Burrow versus Brady. One of the big things with it, John is like, you know, you make a mistake or you, you're inefficient on offense. You, you know, all the old cliches, you're inefficient on offense. You trade field goals for touchdowns. When you're facing a quarterback like Tom Brady, he's going to make you pay turnovers. He's going to make you pay undoubtedly. Well, the exact opposite happened to him and his team. Um, you know, they just kept turning the ball over and a, a unit that didn't, wasn't finding a groove early kind of said, hey, we're going to take this opportunity and we're going to, we're going to go with it. And they, it wasn't perfect. You you mentioned that, you know, they, they had um, two of the turnovers. They only netted three points off of, as you, as you notice, but others, they just, you know, took it to them. And that's the sign of a good team. That's the sign of a killer at quarterback. That's who Brady has been. And we're kind of seeing it now with who looks like, even though he doesn't want to admit it, the second coming of him.
0: I think it was just the. I talked about this on Twitter. It was the perfect. It was the perfect performance against that quarterback because for 20 years we've had to listen to how this guy's the goat because he just finds ways to win, even if he doesn't have the strongest arm, even if he doesn't always put up the most gaudy numbers. He's in this great environment and supporting cast, and sometimes just incredulous things happened to him and for the first time it seems like it at this level in this magnitude it happened at his expense with the guy that was compared to Brady for a week straight and he was compared to him coming out of college and all these things And I hope we can finally kind of put this to bed because this is probably the last time that these two quarterbacks will play Uh, I guess I can say that he might play till he's 55 so you know (laughs) it it was just it was chef's kiss It, it was this perfect combination of just irony and just perfection about how Burrow had this, at a glance, is very middling stat line. It was in the midst of one of the greatest comeback performances we've seen in this team.
1: It, yeah, unbelievable. And then you look at this, really, it's either the Bengals were out in team statistics. Now, granted, some of that is inflated, obviously, by some catch-up and hurry-up play at the end of the game and, and garbage time stuff. But, I mean, 396 to 237 in terms of total yards. Buccaneers ran more plays. Um, both teams were not that great on third down, uh, you know, the, the bucks were two for three on, on fourth down, you look at it. I mean, the Bengals were just kind of out, outdone here a little bit. And, uh, you know, it, uh, really the big thing, the big area right here, the penalties and the turnovers, right? I mean, four to one in terms of turnovers in favor of the Bengals, seven penalties for 58 yards for, for the bucks Four for 27, but I mean, time of possession, pretty even, Bengals had far less yards so I mean you look at again you look at this thing and you go how did this score get that way and you really just have to look at the turnovers and how the Bengals capitalized on that really
0: the Patriots ran 40 plays in the first half to the Bengals 14 and ended up I think being 74 to 66 so if you want to look at the the script being flipped there there wasn't a play that was ran on the bucket at the on the Bengals side of the field in the entire third quarter I I don't know how you look that up to see if that's the first time in history, but I don't think anyone would dispute you if you, if you claimed it was the first time it ever happened. So they just dominated a quarter like I've never seen before.
1: I, I want to see uh, – there's a comment here from Don saying, who day, guys, I want to comment. I, I saw Tom Brady walk straight to the locker room and never walk over to the team and Joe Burrow tell them nice win. My opinion, that's poor sportsmanship. That would have been if that was the case. There has been some video showing that he had a very brief exchange at the end uh, mm-hmm. with some time left on the clock still, on the game clock, as as it was just done, that he did shake Joe Burrow's hand. So, uh, Don, I'm not calling you a liar, buddy. Uh, I, I just letting you know that the, the, that's not – entirely accurate because there was some stuff there. I actually had missed it myself until I saw a video resurface on one of the social media platforms as well. So Brady did show at least a little bit of sportsmanship there um, at the, at the end. So very brief exchange, but at any rate, speaking of Tom Brady, John, here's a deal now, because we going into this game, we know that Brady uh, has made a comment and we, we said, you know, we didn't really take, much stock in it because it's like you know you could have just made a comment and it was just a comment but it sounds like the Bengals defense took and ran with the fairly good defense uh, comment that he made here here is a video on Twitter from Olivia Ray of WLWT it's Eli Apple um, talking about Tom Brady here and Eli Apple sometimes just comes up with just golden golden quotes it's him and i believe it's also bj hill in this clip it's 24 and you can follow olivia credit to wlwt channel 5 um at olivia ray and that's o-l-i-v-i-a-r-a-y-t-v go follow her she covers sports for w-l-w-t but here's the clip but that old man tap dancing man how to get him out that pocket yeah. Get comfortable, so that's what we had to do. Right? Yeah. I mean
0: he was I mean he was pretty good in the first half when he was in the pocket, right? I and
1: mean, he was fairly okay, but not up <laughs> to play. <win. laughs> so, like? We just have to play our ball. Um our type of football. Um a fairly, you know, tough defense. Just came in and played our butts off in the second half and gave the ball to our offensive put a good field position. Well, so man, so John uh we, we got to put him <laughs> up there. Um John obviously they you know we didn't think or know that the the Bengals defense would really take that to heart but apparently they didn't like that comment from the goat Tom Brady and uh it stuck with them and they made a big big statement with those four turnovers.
0: Like we said man this is how you know if you have that dog in you or if you don't and clearly we don't have that dog in us because we didn't think much of it. I think Burrow even said like I don't I I guess he just didn't want to like make it into something that it that it wasn't like yeah I thought that you know he was complimenting them. But if you give this defense just an ounce, an ounce of extra motivation, then they will definitely run with it. Even if it wasn't as obvious as Justin Reed not knowing who T. Egan's was a fairly tough defense is enough to set them over the edge.
1: Yeah, a fairly tough defense. That is right. Uh, I So as we kind of continue to to dissect this game a little bit here, uh, you know, one of the things that comes through here based on going into this game and, and everything the Bengals had were, were pretty beat up. Mike Hilton didn't play in this one. Trey Hendrickson didn't play in this one. Sam Hubbard left the game. We'll have more on that in just a little bit. Sam Hubbard left the game. And, you know, you have, you have Dax Hill in there. You got, you know, no Chidobe Awuzie, no Hayden Hurst. I mean, the Bengals were pretty decimated on their roster this week. And I feel like one of the biggest things about this team this year, as opposed to the one that made the Super Bowl last year, Last year, they they remained pretty dang healthy throughout the entire year. And so they weren't really overly tested. I think more it was more a fatigue thing by the time the postseason was wrapping up, guys getting a high volume of snaps, that sort of thing. Right now, they're being tested with the depth and or, you know, next man up. Guys, you know, just finding a way to win with guys, important guys out of the lineup. And I feel like that's a big trademark thing that's different about this year's team as opposed to last year. Last year, we don't really know because they didn't lose a lot of guys. We don't know how they would have reacted. This year, they just keep winning, man. They just keep finding ways. They keep grinding. Somebody steps up with a big play, and somehow they make it work.
0: Zach Taylor said it perfectly in his post game presser. If there is a weak point in this defense, he's got to find it. Like th- This defense had, I think, 18 players play at least 20% of the snaps on defense, which is more than usual considering the, the amount of injuries that they've suffered and the amount of guys that they have to turn to to compensate for those injuries. I look at the, the Trey Flowers interception. When you had Dax Hill on the field at free safety, you had Joseph Asai and Cam Sample as pass rushers. You had Trey Flowers, obviously, coming off the edge, appeared to be a man coverage against the tight end. And it's a pre-snap look where it looks like it's going to be a cover zero blitz. Brady makes uh, adjustment at the line of scrimmage. And check out Bengals Sands on Twitter for like a visual breakdown of this. But on post-snap, they drop eight. And they cover the middle of the field. And Trey Flowers is the flat defender. Von Bell is the curl defender. And the tight end sits down between both of them. But the fact that that post snap drop into eight was deployed so perfectly mind you with multiple reserves and backups in there that Brady held the ball for half a second longer than he probably should have and allowed Trey Flowers to make the break on the ball and make the interception the fact that this defense doesn't miss a beat no matter who's out like Trey Hendrickson and Uzi, arguably the two most valuable members of this defense did not play in this game and they still ha- held Tom Brady to I think 60 second half passing yards before a garbage time touchdown. They turned Mm -hmm. the ball over four times against an offense that was clearly finding its rhythm. The fact that they can lose guys and still manage to remain a stout second half defense and not let the game get too far away from them. And that's just enough when you have typically an elite offense. It's incredible. And it's just a testament to the scheme, the culture that's in place that even when you have multiple guys having to replace some of your stars, it just ends up not mattering.
1: So let's, uh, I mean, I know we'll look forward here later in the week as we do our Thursday show with the with the Patriots game coming up for Christmas Eve. But, uh, you know, here's, here's the thing with it, man. Um, now, you know, you've got edge, edge players, Cam Sample, Joseph Osai, Jeffrey Gunter right now. Uh, Sam Hubbard's going to be out. We don't, we think Trey Hendrickson will probably remain out this new England team coming up is, is this, um, but here's the other difficult thing with it, John short week away games, all that kind of stuff. It just, it presents a big challenge, even with the team showing that they can still find ways to win. Um, you know, regardless, they need to get some of these guys healthy, get back. And these guys are, are that don't play a lot of snaps or are on the younger age type of spectrum they are being forced to grow up pretty quickly in terms of being a pro player
0: yeah with all that said if you can't have either Hendrickson or Hubbard out there against any offense it is going to be difficult because I think Sample and Osai they're fine players Jeffrey Gunter got some some look here because of, of Hubbard's injury but not only are those two, your two best edge rushers but they've also been phenomenal against the run, phenomenal setting the edge. I mean, we all know about what Hubbard can do. But Hubbard Ederson, particularly, yeah. Hedrickson has made a leap there, and that, that requires a science sample to just play more snaps, and the more those guys are out there, the more that they're going to be tested. So, you know, again, not to look too far ahead. New England's bread and butter is running the ball, and if they can get to the edge on those guys, like, it can lead to some issues. Like, obviously, it's not going to be pretty, just like it was in this game, but they they find a way to figure out what's working. They find a way to kind of get into their zone. And yeah, we'll see if these guys get healthy. Like I think Mike Hilton is on the way back. That's at least what he said after the game came to Britt, I think said something similar. So we'll see the fact that they have a lot of chemistry and cohesion with some of these guys that have filled in. I think that bodes well for them too.
1: Bro was sacked twice. Obviously that one that you mentioned that, Unbelievable one. I have to. I have to think that he maybe saw the flag come out uh, at the end of that, and just. I, I, don't, I don't know, know what yeah. was going on. Yeah, that was that was unbelievable. Anyway, sacked twice, hit seven times by the Tampa Bay defense. Uh, Bengals also had seven hits on Tom Brady, only one sack, I believe, as well. But regardless. Um, What did you make of the offensive line performance this, this week? It looked like Collins had some, some issues on his end um, and, you know, his immense size, maybe some of the the speedier guys, give him a little bit of fits. Uh, Jonah, I think had a, uh, a penalty in there as well. So, um, you know, what, what do you make of the offensive line performance? Obviously a lot better than most of the performances last year. Obviously they've grown from the group that we saw early this year, but still, imperfections to be seen I think
0: yeah I, th- I think they played demonstrably better than they did last week against the Browns I think Alex Kappa played really well Cordell Volson played really well Jonah Williams played really well Ted Karras remains this rock it's just still an l man he still finds himself on the ground more times than you'd like to see that's how the first sack happened he just lost the edge to, jo- to yeah. Joe Tryon and again he ended up all fours in the turf the second sack I believe the uh, the Bengals were empty, and then Levante David, as as he does, is on a delayed blitz and left. Mm-hmm. Uh, just didn't pick it up. I don't think it was charged too low just because it was that delayed blitz. So sometimes you just have to live with that. Defenders are smart too. Other than that, again, like Burrow managed to avoid a lot of sacks. I think it was still a twenty percent sack or pressure sack rate, which is still uh, where you want to be. It's on the high end of where you want to be, but it's still fine because he yeah. started making more plays in the second half. So really good, great performances for most of the offensive line. So definitely better than last week.
1: Yeah. I, I, again, you know, you wish you had a little bit more in the, uh, the, you know, the run game and whatnot, but just short fields, you know, you had short fields and there were times, I mean, one of the, one of the, best plays was the T Higgins touchdown where it allowed T to go uh, loop all the way. What what did, what did Romo call that? The the, uh, around the world where both the receivers were kind of doing a big loop crossing uh, (laughs) each other in the end zone. And so, um, you know, he had, he had nice time ample time uh, for a red zone play and a a very nice play where Higgins was hit all the way across the other side of the end zone from where he started. So, I mean, there are definitely some, some pockets there for, for Burrow and some time that He has now that he did not have even definitely not last year and even at the beginning of this year. But, uh, you know, there are still some issues that need to be ironed out. But still, those investments are for sure paying off. You've got a stat you want to get to before we do. Uh, I want to remind everybody that this is the Orange and Black Insider, part of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. You can get the CJ podcast channel your favorite audio streamer, subscribe to that. Leave us a review if you can. We've had a lot of cool stuff on there, including a recent interview with Bengals wide receiver T Higgins. My guy, John, was there in person. I got to chat with him from Southern California simultaneously. Pretty cool little chat with him. Good to see him ball out this week with a touchdown catch as well. After that, so go back, check it out. Great guy. We love chatting with him. And, of course, we've got great stuff from Matt Minnick, Bengal Jim and friends, all kinds of stuff. So you got to get – it on your favorite audio streamer and then of course our show the YouTube channel if you like the video stuff you can subscribe to it with the icon underneath John under the SB Nation side uh, logo for our wallpaper back there click that subscribe click the bell to be notified when we go live when new content is available memberships are available too if you are so inclined we'll get you some exclusive content there and then of course Uh, you got to like the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, give that a thumbs up too, because all of these shows, when they do a live stream, live stream there too. So you'll want to check that out. But John, you, my friend, have a a little bit of a stat for us that we want to sink our teeth into.
0: Yeah, just to close the book on this third quarter Christmas miracle that the Bengals had, when the Bucks were at fourth and one, and they were running a fake punt that 10 players knew about, but one player didn't, and the one player was Giovanni Bernard, the Bucks had a winning percentage probability of 82%. Now, 80 to 100 is typically what most people utilize as garbage time. So like if, if a team has more than 80% chance to win, it's more or less like the game is pretty much over. Now, for it to be that at the beginning of the third quarter is very rare, but that's just what the case was in this game. So when the Bengals... Recovered that fumbled fourth and one fake punt, their winning percentage changed from uh, 18% to 29%. And then when Tom Brady fumbled the handoff with a minute 31 left in the, in the third quarter, their winning percentage dropped down from 34% to 19%. So what I just said is that in a span of 12 minutes in one quarter, it became from the Buccaneers in garbage time to the Bengals in garbage time. Which I again I can't tell you if that's ever happened before, but every time I read it and say it aloud, my mind just gets blown again. It's crazy.
1: It's that's an incredible momentum swing,
0: incredible
1: momentum swing there when you, when you put it in that phraseology. Not really a word, I don't think, but uh, oh I, you know, I have it queued up, John. I have the video that now has gotten a lot of run um, with Geo Bernard. Uh, I I don't know if I want to play it or not. If you want me to play it, I'll play it. Um, uh, Kind of a post locker room thing. Uh, I I just felt that the interaction and not from the player, the interaction from the other side of the thing was pretty icky. uh, And that's being kind about it. so I, I don't know if we want to spend a lot of time on that. Again, I can queue it up if you want me to queue it up. I've got it. But uh, I just, I, I don't know. For a guy that spent a lot of time in Cincinnati and is known as a really good dude, um, I, I felt that that was kind of an unfair interaction from what we could see out of the video.
0: I, I cringed so hard watching that. And if we are play it, we should put a cringe warning. But I, I have no qualms if you don't want to play that because it's very uncomfortable.
1: Uh oh man I'm I'm going back and forth. I'll play it. I'll play it. I got queue it queued up. Um I, I don't know if we want to w- watch the whole thing, but I mean it's just just uh, and generally ESPN is uh, the reporter you can see here 4.9 million views to this point here. Essentially they're trying to ask him about what happened on that uh on that Kick punt returns. Well, you were injured all year. What have you done for us to Sorry. talk to you about all year? I, I talked to you Tuesday. The, just don't, oh. just talk, don't say you're not talking because I didn't talk to you all year. You were also injured most of the season, hold on, hold on.
0: too. Can I, can I go to my family that I have outside? You all can. All of a sudden now, just,
1: just don't say we didn't talk to you. We, all year. we just wanted to ask for your perspective on what happened. You're involved in one of the biggest plays of the game. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank okay. you, dude. appreciate your time. We do. We won't hold you. We, we would have talked to you in the season, but also okay, you were injured. Just tell us what occurred on the, on the part. Miscommunication, that's all it was on my part. I take complete fault for that. Is it know? a fake? I don't know. It was complete fault. My fault. That's it. Did, Is this something you know that it something the team hasn't practiced It's all you? me. All of me. That's... All right. I I kind of can't stomach to watch more of that, honestly. it's uh, I feel like the guy was just, you know, raked over the coals there a little bit, and it's just, I, I, if you, I, my assumption, John, with it is just real quick, is that when he, you know, he made a comment that wasn't filmed yet about, uh, Gio probably made some sort of comment about, oh, now you want to talk to me now that I'm here and I screwed up. You haven't wanted to talk to me all year, but now you want to talk to me when I, when there's a screwed up play or something like that. And he wanted to leave and go see his family. And then they're like, oh, you know, there's this heated exchange. They kind of said some, I don't know. I-. And then of course, all class Geo just takes the blame, falls on the sword, whether or not it was his fault or not. Um, I, I don't know, man, that just really, that didn't sit with me. Well,
0: the, the, at least to me, man, like the, the point, the, the Genesis, the goal, the purpose of being a sports reporter is to give the players a voice. And if a player decides that he doesn't want to use his voice, then at least from my perspective, there's just no sense. And pushing it, there's no sense in using that just heinous line, like, what what reason will we have to talk to you if you were injured? Like, the, the, the classlessness that is, oh, of that oh, is is oh. nauseating. Like, that that dude is just not professional at all, and neither is Jenna for posting it, and then double down on it and saying, we're journalists. Our job is to get to the bottom of this. No, that's not your job. It's If, the, if that whole shenanigan that you just pulled is your job, then you should find a new job.
1: I... Just yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm we we you and I pride ourselves on trying to be, you know, at least relatively professional in, in what we do and we don't have, you know, direct locker room access on the daily. We've we've had some cool guests on here and whatnot. And I don't know. You and I, I I know really, really try our damnedest to show as much respect as possible for these people to come on our show and talk talk to us and all that kind of stuff. And so I don't know, when when you see that, especially a guy like Gio, because we know him to a certain level, right? Um, I mean, that, that that's a good dude. That's just a good dude. And to see that, I just, it didn't sit well with me and I didn't want to give it even any more attention really, but I just, ugh, it just didn't sit well with me.
0: Well, it's it based off of what he said, like, it seems like he doesn't have a great relationship with them in the first place, which kind of tells me that they're 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 like, this is kind of normal behavior for them. And this is the, maybe the first time it's been publicized. So I don't read too much into it, but like Gio was always phenomenal with Cincinnati Media, and obviously Cincinnati Media is great, and you know they never gave him a reason to, you know, or they they never sparked anything like this. So this, if I'm reading into it a little bit, it just tells me that yeah, this is maybe not the first time something like this has happened.
1: Right. Uh, quick talking point, just to get away from that. Ugh, whatever. uh You know, I'm seeing some some talk in the live chats, and I think it's just a quick. You know, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but. You know, we're talking about a team that in primetime games and big-time games against big-time players, et cetera, et cetera. You know, for years, the bang, that was the big Bengals issue with under Marvin and sometimes Carson, a lot of it under Andy. Um, they just couldn't get – you know, they won a lot of games. They did a lot of good things, but they just couldn't get – they couldn't win the big games. They couldn't win the primetime games. This is completely uh, flipped in terms of the script here. And I want to know, are you – if if you were to – if you were to place the, um, I don't know, I, I blame's not the word. If you were to say like, you know, this person is responsible for that great turnaround uh, for the Bengals in that regard, would you say it's more the head coach and or coaching staff, or would you say it's the quarterback that has more initiate? I think I think it's both. I think we can say it's both. But what what would you credit more in that regard?
0: So, like, I want to say, uh, I want to say both too but I think you have to give credence to the fact that the coaching staff and the marriage between the coaching staff and the front office was here before the quarterback came here. And it doesn't take a special football mind to you know, make the decision to draft Joe Burrow first overall. And I think it's pretty sensical that Burrow would do his damnedest to institute some type of winning culture wherever he went, but the fact that he landed here where clearly he's able to shine and he's able to have free reign, you know, not do what he wants, but to implement whatever makes him comfortable and to put him in an environment where, you know, he can flourish. I feel like you have to give credit to not only the coaching staff, but the front office, Duke Tobin, all the player personnel for building this team and building a locker room around guys that all have one goal, who are all on the same page. And that it does get overlooked sometimes when you have a bunch of other controversy happening around the league and that just doesn't seem to happen. In Cincinnati, these guys are laser focused with what they want to do. They're a bunch of individual personalities, and that's what makes any locker room, any team great. Because not everyone—they're they're not all robots. They don't have you know the singular you know hive mind or whatever. But they prioritize what's important, and they just get the job done, and they are not phased by anything, which you can't say about other Bengals teams in the past. So obviously, the quarterback is the most important player on the field. In the locker room, all the different stuff, but you have to give the appropriate credit to not only Zach Taylor but Duke Tobin for being and a singular vision of how to build this team, and they've done a great job of it.
1: I think I credit Joe Burrow a lot. I credit Joe Burrow a lot because his personality permeates through the rest of the team, and I I think this team sees it's like, yesterday was the prime example of do not panic, right? Mm -hmm. Do not panic. Do not panic. And I think teams in the past, quarterbacks in the past, coaches in the past would have absolutely shrunk in that moment if, if they're the Bengals and they just would have been like, Oh, it's Brady. We're not coming back from this. Um, and that wasn't the case. I do credit to your point too, though. I do credit the front office and the coaching staff a lot because, you know, for a while, I think what was what the Bengals did. And it was a somewhat smart move is they targeted a lot of big players, players from big schools and regardless of really, you know, the, the games that they played, it was like, hey, a big SEC school. We're going to take a, a good player from there. Now they've kind of to what T. Higgins was telling us this week, It's uh, last week. Um, it's more like, hey, these guys have been playing in high-profile games. These guys have been winning high-profile games. They, knows, they know what that t- takes. So not only are they grabbing premier players from big programs, but they're big programs who have won and and had success in big, big bowl games at the college level or bringing in other free agents who have had success in big, big games as well. And I, I would love to know what the interview process is with a prospect or free agent or what have you because I would love to sit at that table and just listen – just I feel like that's almost a big part as much as the film and all that kind of and scheme fit and all that kind of stuff is, is part of it I almost think it's a personality thing they would they probably want to gauge a lot of these guys personalities to see you know if, if you, how they might react in a panic type of scenario and I feel like they've Done a, done a good job of bringing in guys that have a, a similar mindset and, and the pulse doesn't go like this. It's it's a little more even-keeled when things aren't going their way. So at any rate, um, I've just seen a lot of chatter about that, so I wanted to talk about that. Before we get out of here, let's get to a couple of headlines, John. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, did you know, they can clinch a spot, a playoff spot, with a win this weekend against the New England Patriots. Um, And also right now, I believe, as of late last night, uh, per DraftKings, the Cincinnati Bengals are three and a half point favorites against New England here. But they can um, clinch a playoff spot as early as Thursday night um, and potentially uh, with a win and whatnot. Obviously, some things are playing out. But right now, they hold the three seed.
0: Yeah, so I think 3-seed is statistically the most likely landing spot for them, but they are still a game back from the Chiefs and the Bills, and obviously they can tie the Bills if they beat them on Monday night, and then the Chiefs were very close to slipping up and giving you know the Bengals that edge that they could have had, despite Patrick Mahomes having a phenomenal game. They barely beat the Houston Texans in overtime, so... Bengals are still waiting on that shooter drop for Kansas City. It may or may not happen this season. The Chiefs could easily win out, but yeah, right now, two or three seeds is most likely for the Bengals. But yes, if they win, they're in the playoffs for sure. The
1: ironically, um, the Bengals do have a shot at the number one seed, depending on how things play out. You know, if if all things end up being equal, the Bengals get the same record as the Bills and the Chiefs they would have the number one seed because they would have beaten both teams. So, um, you know, there's a scenario there that exists. It's a little bit, (laughs) it's it's not a very common one, but it exists nonetheless. So uh, regardless, the Bengals could clinch a playoff spot this week. How great would that be for a Christmas, early Christmas gift to folks? And then on, on the bad side of things, Sam Hubbard, the injury he suffered this week, unfortunately, he is going to miss a few weeks, and that puts him at the timeline of return to the postseason here. I think the Bengals, you know, I mean, obviously, if they were 500-ish and fighting for their playoff lives, maybe this timetable would be a little different instead of being in the driver's seat of the division. I don't know, but they have tried to be very careful with this so as to not re-aggravate things. And I got to tell you, Sam Hubbard does not miss a lot of time, does not miss a lot of snaps, does not miss a lot of, practices uh for for a variety of reasons so for him to have an injury you know it's you know it's hurting him
0: yeah I think we interviewed him pretty soon after he like um or maybe it was a year after he had the elbow injury yeah wasn't it that year yeah it was the tricep yeah it was a tricep deal I think yeah so I think that was the last time he had any extended absence but this seems to be a very similar injury to the one that Hayden Hurst suffered against the Chiefs and Hurst is now been out for two and a half weeks and his timetable is i think a few weeks too so we should expect Hers to be back before the season ends but since Sam injured it a couple weeks later it does seem like probably the playoffs is when we're going to see him back but maybe maybe against the Baltimore that would be the earliest i would say
1: yeah it would be great if the Bengals were able to quite honestly kind of do what they did last year and rest some of the you know guys at the end of the year there but with the ravens still kind of fighting for a playoff life there and, and the, they're both vying for the division i don't think that that's a realistic scenario but we'll see um funny one here t higgins and his mom go back and forth a little bit on twitter and uh you in the interview i, I hate to keep bringing up the interview as a self-serving promotion but i mean you actually talked about his mom in the interview uh <laughs> and how funny how funny she is on twitter and so here it is talking about uh you know uh you know the ball touches your hands, catch it. And he's like, dang, my bad. Cause he had a, a pretty bad drop, uh, you know, good game and everything by T, but he had a, a, a drop on a nice pass there. And he's like, dang, my bad mom. You're right. Uh, and then of course, you know, uh, you know, she, she's going, <laughs> you know, you balled out. I'm super proud of you. Love you kid. Um, so it was pretty funny that there was, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit of Twitter coaching going on there from mom, but uh, you know, good stuff. And obviously it's a lot, a lot more funny after a big win, for sure, but I uh, just wanted to share that with folks in case they miss it a cool back and forth with um, T and his mom. Uh, I'm trying to th- think about um, some other things here. Oh, let's. you talked about this briefly. These are the snap counts, so let's talk about this, and then we'll start wrapping up and getting on out of here uh, and get prepared for other things going on this week, other shows going on this week. Here's the snap counts. You prepared this, I believe, John Sheeran, for... Cincy Jungle, uh, as you usually do on a weekly basis. Um, So you kind of talked about it a little bit. Give us a little rundown real quick, if you would, on what was seen from the snap counts.
0: Yeah, so again, at defensive end, you had Hubbard go down. He only played 27 snaps, so that allowed Jeff Gunter, who's a rookie, to play, I think, the most that he's played all season. He had 18 snaps. He rotated in often with Joseph Asai, Cam Sample. Both of those guys obviously played the majority of snaps. Alan George came in for 16 after Cam Taylor Britt, uh, suffered an apparent shoulder injury. I think he even out-snapped Trey Flowers there at the end of the game. And Dax Hill ended up playing, I think, 66 snaps in his first start. So that's by far, I think 66 is more than the total defensive snaps he played this season leading up to this week. And also, Mitchell Wilcock, we haven't talked about him, but your guy from the pre-draft process, he comes back home. He's a Largo, Florida native, which is a neighborhood in Clearwater. He played college ball at USF, and they play their games in Raymond James Stadium. And his first NFL touchdown yeah, is no, yeah. where he grew up, right? And he played 60 snaps the yeah. most of his career, the most of the season. So shout out to Mitchell Wilcox, who I think is trying to buy the ball that he the, – the touchdown ball that he spiked into the end zone stands. So if, if – if you happen to be at the game and you know the guy who did it, uh, reach out to Mitchell Wilcox on Twitter.
1: Yeah, yeah, please do. Um, and, you know, uh, Mitchell, I felt so – I was, like, so stoked for him to get into the end zone. And then it, as he's, like, running through the end zone, he almost, like, slips and falls. I'm like, oh, man, you got to be a little more smooth uh, <laughs> uh, uh, with the celebration there. Uh, but felt good for him. Yeah, and, uh, again, one of those guys who just steps up when the injuries are hitting and whatnot. So, um, really, uh, you know, there's a couple of other things – with the within the division what, just one more to share and this is the Baltimore Ravens as they are kind of the most relevant in terms of the Bengals right now given the division race but John Harbaugh being asked and this is from Baltimore Beatdown um potential coaching staff changes weren't quote we're not getting into all of that so hey already having that question talked about and I think they I mean they had already made some coaching changes this year at the defensive coordinator spot um and other places so um, already talking about potential coaching staff changes there um kind of an odd question or whatnot when you're in the middle of a division race but they have looked ye the last few weeks um obviously lamar being out hurt some but this last week against the browns that was borderline unwatchable football i mean that was just like oh i
0: i think everyone's ready uh for uh Uh, Who's the offense? Greg Roman. I think everyone's ready for Greg Roman to move on because his offense is just very bad to watch. And I I honestly think it's kind of holding Lamar back. And he was in talks with becoming Stanford's new head coach. And then he was out of that conversation. So it kind of seems like that's reaching an end. And that's probably where they're going to go when the offseason does happen.
1: All right, well, let's wrap a bow on this bad boy, John. We've got uh, another episode and some other stuff coming up later this week to preview the Patriots game, but uh Merry early Christmas to you. And what do you got for us as we start to hop on out of here?
0: Yeah. Happy holidays. Um, just a shout out to maybe the best soccer game I've ever seen uh, yesterday. <laughs> um, I was out for my sister's 20th birthday, which is actually today. So happy birthday, Kelsey. But we celebrated it yesterday and we went out to brunch and, I don't think she knows this, but I was watching the game under the table on my phone because it was like the was like the <laughs> final like hour, which involved like two goals from France. And then they each scored a goal an extra time. And then it was the penalties came down to like the second to last kick. It was an unbelievable game, and I'm glad I got to see it.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> Sorry, get to see it. Yeah, I didn't get to see it, but uh, I heard a lot about it and watched a couple highlights. And yeah, it looked, looked insane. But um, I don't really have too much more because I guess I could. I kind of put my that that geo video out there that would have been something i would have i would have talked about a little bit there but um man just just be kind to your players please if you're out there interviewing uh interviewing folks be kind be kind be kind uh happy early hanukkah i I guess hanukkah did start yesterday so happy Mm -hmm. hanukkah early hanukkah to, to folks out there as well Merry early Christmas, and we'll be back with more stuff this week. The Bengals get the big win, 34-23 over Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. A big win, a huge comeback, and a hell of a lot of fun to watch and cover. So we'll be back with more this week. We'll see you, John. Have a uh, good rest of the week. We'll see you in
0: just a little bit. See you guys.